This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Father, thank you for our Lord Jesus that he is reaching out. And that, Lord, uh, as you said in your Bible, that, Lord, that we would not reach out to you in vain. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray again that you would, Lord, open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you turn in your Bibles to Micah, the book of Micah, it's our book we're going to be looking at now, Micah, first chapter, Micah chapter one. All right, please follow along, Micah. The word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Morishtite. In the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria as a heap of the field, and as plantings of vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley." And I will discover the foundations thereof, and all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces. And all the hires thereof shall be burned with the fire, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. For she gathered it of the hire of an harlot, and they shall return to the hire of an harlot. Therefore I will wail and howl, I will go stripped and naked, I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. For her wound is incurable, it is come unto Judah, for he has come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Declare ye it not at Gath, weep ye not at all in the house of Ephrah, roll yourself in the dust. Pass ye away, thou inhabitants of Sephir, having thy shame naked, the inhabitant of Zanon, come not forth in the morning of Bezel. He shall receive of you his standing, for the inhabitants of Morot waited carefully for good, but evil came down from the Lord unto the gate of Jerusalem. O thou inhabitant of Lachish, bind the chariot to the swift beast. She is a beginning of the sin to the daughter of Zion. For the transgressions of Israel were found in thee. 
Therefore, shall, shall give presents to Mereshagoth, the house of Achzib, shall be a lie to the kings of Israel. Yet will I bring an heir unto thee, O inhabitant of Mereshoth. He shall come unto Adullam, the glory of Israel. Make thee bald, pull thee for thy desolate children. Enlarge thy boldness as the eagle, for they are gone into captivity from me. This book starts off with a particular word that all of the prophets started off with. It's a very simple, it's just the word hear. Hear, verse two, hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord be witness against you. How many have ever been in a court? How many have ever been in a court and been sitting waiting for the judge to appear, and then when the judge walks into the, the court, there's this call to all rise? How many of you have ever been that? Barely everybody. Everybody. How many have stood up when it said all rise? Okay, very good. Micah is presenting to us the Bible as the judge, where when the Bible is opened, it's like the judge has entered the room with the call of, all rise. And that's what's being said here when he says, hear all ye people. It's a call to all rise, all rise to give respect to the Bible, all rise to submit to the word of God, all rise to understand that the judge has entered the room. And what would it be like? I asked you the question, how many of you stood up? What would it be like if in a court, a person stepped forward and says, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to stand up, but I want to stand on this table because I want to stand higher than the judge. And I want to evaluate this judge to see if he's really worthy of my respect and my submission. And then at that point, then I'll call the judge your honor. Now I've just got a few questions that I want required to answer and to acknowledge if you really are a valid judge or not. So here are the questions. How long do you think a person, if he did that, how long do you think that person would last in that court before he's removed? Not very long. But this is what people do with the Bible. People, when the Bible is open, there's this silent call in the heart of all rise, and some people say, well, I'm gonna rise above the Bible and ask some questions, and based on how satisfied I am with the answers, then I'll see if I'm gonna honor and respect the Bible, and if I'm gonna submit to the Bible. But first, why do the accounts of all the Gospels do not agree perfectly in every detail? How many times has the Bible been translated? See, these are just my starters for questions. I'll have more later. So the Bible is not to be evaluated for whether it's or not it's true. It's to be believed by faith and relied on. Man doesn't judge the Bible. The Bible judges man. So the Lord here in this book is witness against them because they would not hear the word of God. They would not hearken. They turned a deaf ear to God. Now, we've all called a phone number. All of us have called a phone number. I'm not gonna ask you hands because I know you all have. And you all hear this right when the call is answered, this call will be recorded. Everybody's heard that, right? And that means that the call is being recorded. <laughs> that means that what is said to you on that call is being recorded, and what you say on that call is being recorded. And when we hear that, I don't know, we, we, we think twice before we speak because we realize the recording is running. 
And we think to ourselves, the kind of like looking at ourselves in the mirror, how am I sounding? You know? And what would I say if that recording was played back and I was asked, why did you say that? You know? I mean, a fool would say, I don't care if there's a record being made. I'm going to let it rip. I'm going to curse. I'm going to say all kinds of terrible things because I don't care if I do have to listen to my recording. I just don't care. That's a fool. And that's the way many people feel today when they hear that Jesus Christ loves them and when they hear the gospel invitation to come to Christ, they don't care. But God is making a recording of everyone. But there's just one difference. There's one difference. When you hang up the phone of being recorded, you know the recording has stopped. But with God's recording, he just keeps on running. He keeps on running to the point where as we might as well hear when we wake up in the morning, good morning, this day is being recorded. All your thoughts are being recorded today. All your words are being recorded today. All your acts are being recorded today. And about this recording, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, Matthew 12, 36, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So how could every idle word be known? Because every idle word is being recorded along with every idle thought that's being recorded and every idle act that's being recorded. God doesn't have to worry about limited data storage because he has unlimited terabytes of memory. And there's one recording for each person, and that's put into a special folder. There's a one recording out of all the recordings for a person. There's one recording for each person that's put into a special folder, and that special will be taken out first. That special folder will be taken out first and will determine a person's ultimate judgment. And those are the recordings in that folder that'll determine whether a person is going to be cast into hell or be welcomed into heaven. And the label on that folder of recordings is response to the gospel, response to the gospel. Those are the recordings in a person's life of every time the gospel was presented to that person. And those are the recordings of the response to the gospel presentation, responses of words, responses of thoughts. They're all recorded. And some people just don't care how their responses are, recorded or not. I wonder what would happen if each person sat in a studio and looked at their own responses, the video responses to the gospel. I wonder if that would make them change how they respond to the gospel if instead of, if instead of being their own actor on the stage of life where they're when they were invited to come to Christ, if they were the observer of themselves and could look at their own response to the invitation to come to Christ. As a matter of fact, Christ spoke a parable about this, a parable about the different excuses that people make to come to Christ. When he likened responding to the invitation to come to Christ to responding to a dinner invitation, a dinner invitation, and it all boiled down to either they immediately came, or they did not immediately come, but I said they had some excuse. They had an excuse that all boiled down to Luke 9.61. Luke 9.61, let me first go and blank, blank. And there are many different blanks 
that people use for excuses. And that was the point of the parable that Jesus told in Luke 14, 16. Luke 14, 16, when he said, then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bad bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, notice it was at supper time, to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I married a wife. I therefore I cannot come. So what Jesus was saying there is that with the many people of the many excuses, they all build down to either they immediately accepted such an important invitation, an important invitation as the gospel invitation is to come to Christ. Each person really did believe that his excuse was so unusual, so out of the ordinary that it merited his response of, no, I, not now. And then there was the person who said, oh, such a prime land that I bought. I've been waiting all my life to buy this lamb. It's just become available. I'd be a fool to pass up a chance like this, a chance of a lifetime. I just signed the papers. I haven't seen, I haven't even seen the land yet, much less surveyed it. People would have given their eye teeth for this land. I just want to go. I want to just go and, and see what I bought. I need to, 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 to decide what to do with the land. We might build our dream house on it. I don't know. Let me first go check the land and carefully. So I'm sorry, I can't come. But I'll come to your next dinner party, I promise. Jesus, with, with that response, Jesus says, uh-huh. And he stamps on that recording of that response to the invitation of big no, because he didn't jump at the invitation. And then there was a person who said, I just bought five oka oxen. Whoa, what can be done with these five yoke of oxen? I don't know. I can only imagine the fields that can be plowed, the harvest that's going to be possible. What a pretty penny I can turn with all that produce that's going to come from those five oxen. I'll buy more oxen. Pretty soon I'll be the, be the king of here over this. Uh, and I can take the initial profits, et cetera, et cetera. He says, I'm going to be rich, very, very rich. Please, please, please excuse me. I just need to go and see my new ox and see what they can do. I'll come to your next dinner party, I promise. And Jesus hears that response and he goes, uh-huh. And he takes the recording of that person's response to the invitation, stamps a big no, because he didn't jump at that invitation. And there's a person who responded to the dinner invitation by saying, I just got married. What a wife I got. She, she's to die for. Such a beauty. Everybody turns their head when she walks down the street, says, who is that? Not only is she beautiful, she's humorous. She tells jokes. She's uh, wonderful. She's smart. She's intelligent. Oh, this is um, the girl of my dreams. I've waited all my life for this. Uh, we need to spend time together. Uh, come to your next party. I promise. And Jesus hears that excuse. He goes, uh-huh. And he marks that recording with a big no, because the person didn't jump at the invitation. And the point that Jesus is making here was that there's one invitation to come to Christ, and people come up with a myriad of excuses for why not now, oxen, land, wives. I mean, I just heard one just this last week. Just this last week, a good friend of mine, 
He's 82 years old. He's 82 years old. He had a stroke and he's walking with a walker. He's getting better, thank God. And so we sat down together, we started talking, and I just said to him, my friend, I said, what I wanna know is when you're gonna come to Jesus Christ to be saved from your sins. And he said, real soon. And I thought, well, that sounds good, real soon. So I asked, when? And my friend said, just as soon as I sell my house in the mountains, because I can't get around up there in the mountains anymore, like I used to, and then I'm gonna, so I'm gonna sell that house in the mountains first, and then I'm gonna buy a house in the city where it's easier for me, and then I'll come to Christ. Sell a mountain house and buy a city house first. And that excuse can be added to the test out the oxen first and go survey the land and go on the honeymoon first because what all of those excuses have in common is the sell the house in the mountain and buy the city house, it's more important than coming to Christ. The test out the oxen is more important than coming to Christ. The survey the land is more important than coming to Christ. The honeymoon is more important than coming to Christ. That's what all those excuses boil down to. Just imagine, just imagine the person in that parable who put on that dinner party. He had thought about every aspect of that dinner party and did such a preparation for it. He thought about and planned and arranged for every little detail of that dinner party so that it would be just perfect for all the guests when they would arrive, how their coats would be taken, put away so nicely. He thought about and planned and arranged for the perfect appetizers, not to spoil the meal, the, the meal but it would be just perfect when they would be served, how they would be served. He thought about where everyone would sit and who would sit next to who so there wouldn't be any tensions between people, sometimes family members, made sure that everyone's food requirements were met. This one's allergic to onions. That one's allergic to tomatoes. This one's a vegetarian. This one doesn't eat fish. This one doesn't eat meat. And he planned it all so it would be perfect, acceptable foods to be served to everyone, every individual. He interviewed different musicians and chose the best musician for the entertainment. He tasted examples of all the different ingredients for the food and made sure that they were all perfect. And he tried the different recipes. And for each of the course of the meal, he tasted and chose the best wine before the meal, during the meal, the dessert wine. He chose the best dessert. Everything was set. And he lived the whole dinner experience in his mind a lot of times before him and made sure that this was going to be a perfect dinner party. It was gonna be a perfect dinner that was gonna be so memorable. You just, some of you just went to Loretto, you know what I'm talking about. And that's what this person did for this dinner. So much thought, so much planning, so much preparation to make it all has to be perfect. And then he sends out the invitation and the response comes back. No, I got to check my land first. I can't come. No, I'm sorry. This new purchase of oxen happened. I can't come. No, I just got married. I can't come. No, I have to sell my mountain house and buy a city house. I can't come. And it all comes down to, I don't care. 
I don't care how much you thought about it. I don't care how much you planned it. I don't care how much you prepared it. What you have with your dinner party is not as important as what I have to do. It all came down to, I don't care how much. God, you love me. I don't care, God, how much you planned to save me. I don't care how much you suffered on the cross to atone for my sins. What you have with your salvation is not as important as what I have to do. This is what God is saying in verse two, when he says, hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and there it is. Let the Lord be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. The Lord was against them because they did not hear, verse two, all ye people, hearken. The Lord is against them because they did not respond. God is against a person who does not immediately jump at the invitation to come to Christ and to be saved from his sins. You know, right now at Scanabodies, we are working so hard to make COVID tests. You can't believe it. It's like we're driving down the road in a convertible 100 miles an hour with the top down and our hair's flying all over the place. That's what it's like at our company. We are now making 1 million COVID tests per day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 350 million COVID tests per year. I never counted to a million before, but we're making a million tests per day doing the formulation, doing the liophilization, doing the assembly, doing the shipping, over 500 shipments per day. Those shipments we're talking about are pallets of COVID tests. And those chemicals for the formulation, you know what? They don't just jump into the tanks and water just doesn't fall from the sky into those tanks and millions of tubes don't just say, out of our way while we jump into the racks. And the racks don't just say, out of the way while I jump into the lyophilizers. And the components just don't fall into boxes and boxes don't just jump on onto the pallets and pallets don't just walk themselves over in trucks. It all takes a lot of work, a tremendous amount of work, a lot of management work, a lot of management work, and it's all very important work. And managers are very, very important in these 1,200 people to make it all happen, and the work is important. And if we had a very important management position for this operation, where the position was so important that a person would be responsible for such an important link in the chain, that if that link fell through, the whole chain fell through. If that step was not done correctly, the whole operation comes to a screeching halt from one million COVID tests per day to zero COVID tests per day. And if we had an applicant who came to apply for that job and he was qualified and we offered him the job and we invited him to join the team to take over the responsibility of this very important step in the COVID test production, so important. And if that person said to us, okay, I will take the position, but first I wanna go to Bali for a vacation for four weeks and I'll come back in four weeks just right now, right now. You know what we would do? We would retract the offer 
because that person didn't see the work as important as it was. Vacation was more important. Just like people who invited to a dinner who said that they had something else more important. Just like the person who said that he was going to come to Christ later after he sells his mountain house, buys a house in the city. And if we had another person, on the other hand, on the other hand, if we had another person who wanted the job, who was qualified, and said, and we said, when can you start? And that person said, how about right now? I put some extra money in the parking meter. I'm good to go now. We would say, you're our man. That's our man. We found the right person because he sees the work as important as it really is, and he wants to start right now. And we're looking for that right now person. And you know what? That's what God is looking for in the gospel invitation. He's looking for the right now person. God is looking for the same person who when the gospel is presented and the invitation is made to come to Christ, that person says, how about right now? Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.